Hey, welcome back to episode six of the Wayfair podcast. We are back and we have Jonathan back with Good us. Good to so. be there. Hey, yo. We missed you. Yeah, I missed you guys. <laughs> I think everybody missed you. We got more comments on the last episode. Like, where is Jonathan? I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. We didn't. <laughs> what? Zero comments. I think people kept getting yeah. you and I confused. I could see that True. happening. Uh, there you go. We, we Asian heritage. Super glad life. to have you back, Jonathan. Last time, uh, we were, it was a really, I loved the conversation and benefited. Th- I listened back a couple times and heard feedback from other people that starting in the cave, which is where our conversation was last time, and just the helpful frame that Plato gives, which has been over and over and over for so long, so helpful for so many different contexts. But for our conversation, it really locates us in that space that so many people feel where they go, there's got to be something other, something beyond this, what I'm seeing projected in front of me, the material world. And there's that sense of longing that Lewis so famously wrote about, we've all experienced. So Jonathan, you weren't here. I want to give you a chance, like thoughts on the cave, just to catch us up. If you weren't here for last episode, you can go back and listen to episode five, but catch us up, just thoughts on the cave before we make the turn out, because that's where Plato points and says, there's, what if there's something beyond? Yeah, I had a interesting conversation today um, with a friend, and she's she's a like a beautiful soul, the kind of person that walks into a room and they just kind of light it up, like lots of energy, just um, like a positive, just a good person. And we had a an interesting conversation. So there was a lot of frustrations she was dealing with, and um, this is something we've talked about before, where it's like like con- like the things you're worried about and all the, the struggles and conflicts aren't the actual issue. Like if you boil them down, there's something like that's the root of all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we were kind of going through everything that she was struggling with. And then as I asked her more questions and we got more into it, it kind of boiled down to like, she was, she's in the cave and like, mm-hmm. it's, it was like obvious, um, not to, not to her, but to me. And, the thing she was facing was like she wasn't being seen she wasn't being she didn't feel like she was being valued um and she felt alone mm-hmm. and like it, it was really kind of heartbreaking to see someone like that and not have any way out and when she talked about it, i was trying to sort of um it is in a professional workspace so i can't just you know do like the the christian lingo but but we could talk about it and she she asked me like like how do i do it um which was a good question and the way it boiled down to was i could do it because like work and my job wasn't who i was like my life did not was not defined by that and what i could accomplish because but there was something outside of it there was something beyond that was outside of the cave and I could kind of give her that language but I think so many people like her are just just in there and they're alone and they're sad and they're they need they need help and Mm. they need a way out yeah it's it's so crazy too as you're describing that like your the office environment can feel like that but our whole being can we were talking about Hawaii and when I was feeling very much in that space where there was nothing beyond And I was like, is this all there is? Like I work, I play, I try to keep myself positive. 
Is this all there is? And I thought, I mean, I got to get out of my context. That'll get me out of it. So I went to Hawaii and was like, that's for sure where I'm going to be outside of it. But I found out I was, I was still there and it was something beyond the material world. That's the longing. That's what you're pointing to is transcendence. And in the cave, there's no, there isn't a reason to look up, but you have that instinct. And that's what's, I think, so haunting. Back to Charles Taylor's language, he says, we all have that natural instinct. And even in like crisis or fear, you have that like, um, where do you look? Like when you're in trouble, every kind of looks up. What are we looking for? There's this sense of beyondness in us. That's where I want to take the conversation tonight is what happens when you cross that threshold and dare to risk leaving behind the security and Plato talks about that, right? Like the cave provides some comfort, merit, reward, security. What if you dare to believe that something else is there beyond the material world? And have we ever encountered that when where we actually step out and we risk it and we go, okay, I haven't done this before, but I'm going to look up. And even just that's figurative language, but I'm looking beyond Sometimes it takes being in the wild to feel that sense of smallness. I know that's what it was like to me, but I'm curious. It doesn't always have to be in the wild. When's the last time you had a sense that you were kind of outside of that cave and and you knew you were haunted, you were unsettled? Uh, There's a great theologian named Rudolf Otto wrote the book, Idea of the Holy, book recommendation, boom. He writes this idea of numinos, this unsettled feeling that there's something wholly other. When's the last time you can go back in your story and go, I remember a moment where I was aware keenly that there was a being much greater than myself. Hmm. That's a deep question you dumped on us. I know. I feel like I always get it. (laughs) if I'm like standing on like the edge of the ocean, like, like standing where the waves are crashing and just like, if it's a quiet moment, like nobody really else is around. I'm just like looking out. It's just so gigantic. Yeah. Like it's so massive that it's like really hard to like wrap your mind around. And I think in a lot of those moments, I'll sit there and just kind of get quiet and just try to listen. And it's like in that it's like, it feels weird. You're like, this is, doesn't feel like a normal moment. Why is it so unique of a situation? most powerful coastline you've ever found yourself in i've been on the west coast before but good answer I feel there's like only one correct <laughs> answer in zach's mind <laughs> i've been on the west coast but i feel like i've spent most of the time on the east coast so that's when i've like i think had more of those Felt moments sure. but i've like climbed some rocks on the west coast and just like you're like over the ocean it's like this is insane yeah in oregon yeah. No, I was in California. Yeah. I'm going to come back to your experience because you just came back from the wild. And we're going to press into that, but I'm curious. And it, again, it doesn't have to be outside. There's times where you just have that sense. Have you had one of those? I was thinking, trying to think of it, and I immediately thought of the perfect instance. And it wasn't outside, um, but I have a baby nephew. He just turned nine months old. And the other day, I was just looking at videos of him that I had taken on my phone. And I just started crying because, like, I was just looking into his eyes in the video and it's just this pure innocence and this pure joy and it that's it like there's it's simple but it's so deep and it's so real and genuine and so whenever I look at my nephew's eyes or whenever I look at videos of him like I just feel so emotional because I just want to emulate that beauty that he's seeing in this world because he is 
by no means tainted. He's only surrounded by love and goodness. And he was born in this world being good and just being loving. And so whenever I look at him, shout out Chavelli, my sister and Brandon. Um, I, well done. I, I <laughs> just see show. a bundle of love and I, I'm like, this, this was no incident. Like this was no mistake that this baby in front of me just appeared like so much more to than just skin and bones, you know? Yeah. yeah. Miracle. And that's so interesting that like the power of an ocean can do that. And then this kind of the sublime, innocent beauty of uh, the most vulnerable life that we can hold in our hands that was a made life by people like that does it and that does it like across the spectrum yeah i got a spot on bayshore um there's like a a staircase that leads down to the water Mm -hmm. towards the end of it yeah and if you go i'll go sit down there at night and at night the street lights will cast a shadow so uh along the water there's a shadow right on the edge of the shadow there's a lot of fish there and prey because prey will sit in the shadows and wait for a fish to swim by and jump out and grab it. And I'll, I'll be sitting there and like a dolphin will come from me to Katya and just swim right by me and fly by what? and like eat fish. The ducks will swim up to me like uh, last night I was sitting there and I was like <laughs> at the ducks and it came up. It's pretty believable. <laughs> and it, it was just like staring at me. And I was like, um, but when you look at like the these creatures that are just the most magnificent beautiful things and it's just a duck like mm-hmm. we go out and we can try and make anything for our dedicate our entire lives to make like a, a, just a feather on that and it wouldn't even compare and these things are just they're out doing their thing eating fish that always that mm-hmm. always gets me thinking yeah it's it is remarkable i remember the first experience i had here in florida going out in the gulf and seeing flying fish i had never seen flying mm-hmm. fish and it was like mm-hmm. early in the morning the sun's coming up and we're going way out in the gulf and there's just fish like <laughs> flying up out of the water and the sun's beaming through and i was like who makes that like Mm. that's (laughs) incredible Mm -hmm. riley how about you unsettled moment i feel like mine was kind of recent um i've been i'd been uh thinking about switching jobs um from my other job to a, a new job opportunity and i remember sitting down and talking to a friend about it and I remember we had had a conversation about three or four months ago, and he had said something along the lines of, in 60 days, you're going to figure out what you want to change in your life, and in 90 days, you're going to make a decision on that. And I remember sitting down with him, just hanging out, and him telling me, like, just talking about the opportunities coming up, and him being like, did you know in three days, it was 90 days ago, that we sat down and had that conversation? And that day, I just got received a job offer, and I had been thinking about it. And it, trying to go through the motions of exploring that. And I remember when he said that, like, just, like, all the weight of, like, the world just, like, and I remember being, like, just in all of, like, the co Like, I don't, I don't think that's just a coincidence. Like, I feel like there's some sort of higher being controlling that and making these pieces move. And then for me to, I probably never even thought of that 90-day thing ever again after that night hanging out with him. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, friend, for that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't Jared, <laughs> but good try. Uh, but it, then just to feel all that like weight and pressure to, and seeing that happen, I was just like, whoa, this is big. I was like, there's definitely something to pay attention here and explore now. We yeah. started doing that to people. 
Like right. 90 days. 60 days, brother. Set a timer. I'll tell you what. The, uh, it's providence, right? Like we say that all the time. There's no coincidence. But I think when you do intersect with providence, it is one of those unsettling moments. It's like it, it's there in a, in a baby. It's there in a creature. It's there in the vastness of nature. And it's there when you get a sense like, I'm not actually directing my life. There's actually a being that is orchestrating a symphony that I get to be a participant in. And that's pretty wonderful. And that's actually the, that's what I want to focus in on. Cause sometimes I think everybody watching and listening is, it probably has your own moment where you're like, no, I know what you're talking about in the cave. It is that disenchanted reality. That's just like, I'm manufacturing or Nietzsche willing to power like Monday willing Tuesday and that's all I can do muster and then I try to create some sort of an ecosystem of reward that keeps me going but I know that I'm made for something else and that's literally the reality of human beings we're made and this is back to Otto he says you're made to feel that that numinous that's why we like kind of being scared sometimes you're, you like it you're like what is that that makes us want to feel that because we're actually not made to be the most powerful thing and when we get reminded of that, it's actually good for us. It's like a, it's a breath of fresh air. So that little bit of fright is actually a breath of fresh air. And it's a disruption that's right before wonder, right? On the backside of that is that capacity to wonder again and be like, and that's the first move out of the cave is looking up, it's vision up. It's just, and it's not getting overly specific at first. It's just opening up to the reality that, this was not all there is. And so I give myself permission to just pause for a second and go, okay, this story is way bigger. I'm curious for you all, like even outside or maybe on the threshold of the cave, that capacity to wonder, do you feel like we lose that? It's like, how do, what wars against wonder in your day? Mm. It's interesting you say this because I actually have two poems I wanted to share with you guys. I love poems. Let's go. I'm ready. I'm so Whoa. excited. And two poems. You guys are so far <laughs> behind, right? Okay, yeah. I won't say both of them, but 10, points. it's like Definitely. I'm having a Zach moment because all I'm doing is referencing them because they're kind of long. Um, so one of them, Fern Hill by Dylan Thomas. And then the second, Ode to Immortality by Woodsworth. Wordsworth. Wordsworth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wordsworth. Say that five times. I know. I, Wordsworth. Wordsworth. Um, so both kind of walk you through like just growing up and how we all begin our life with the wonderment of a baby, kind of mm-hmm. like my nephew, and how the world is just in vivid colors and everything feels golden and you feel golden. And as you walk through life, you feel like you are the prince of the land. And that was um, from Fern Hill. But then... Um, in Fernhill specifically, um, Thomas walks the reader through life um, in a decline. So mm. you start and you feel great and you feel powerful, but then as you finish your life, your eyes are open to the just bleakness and how time has been on a ball and chain on your ankle the whole time and you didn't realize it until you were old enough to realize it. And um, Thomas was also an alcoholic and he actually died from alcoholism. And so this was something he really struggled with. Um, But then in contrast, Wordsworth wrote about his childhood and how it was beautiful and amazing. But as he grew up, um, he 
face the same challenges that Thomas and that you and I and everyone here has faced of how the world isn't as golden and beautiful as it was when we were just little kids. And he struggles, and this one's a really long poem, he's going back and forth and he brings in um, analogies about God and heaven and he's like walking through beautiful rivers and oceans and he capitalizes the word moon because of how beautiful and glorious it is. Um, but then he goes to the next line, he's like, but then my grief sets in and I'm so upset. Mm. And then he goes, and then I look back up to the sky and then I'm happy again. And so he's in this constant battle of the world is beautiful. The world is bleak. And I feel like I can strongly relate to that because I mean, we're all always going on these roller coasters of, wow, this is like a moment on the water and the duck is quacking at me and the dolphins in front of me. (laughs) But then the next moment we're like, I just got rejected by someone I really liked and I don't feel good at all. And it's all happened to all of us. I know it has. And, and then the next moment you're hanging out with your best friends and you're like, wow, I feel so loved and amazing. And so that's literally what Wordsworth is walking you through. And he teaches the reader that you can find wisdom and beauty in that childhood enchantment. And you have to go back into it and connect back with nature. And so I think to tie back into that wonderment question, um, it's kind of like what Wordsworth is saying. Like, as long as we have the wisdom and maturity to, you know, thread the needle back into when we were five or six and be able to put on our glasses again and see the world through maybe like my nephew's eyes or even trying to remember your bestest memory as a child um, and try to root back that wonderment because I think it's completely possible to transcend your moment and see your reality through the eyes of my nephew. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I think that's the whole goal. I want to. I'll, I'll circle back to it because Lewis writes on on bikes, and he go. He describes almost the process that you're describing there with Wordsworth's poem. But how about you guys? Like, do you feel like you've like that sense of wonder ebbs and flows? How? What in your life has kind of pulled against that? Yeah, I think it it can be challenging because life is hard. Like, I think a lot of the times, like, life can kind of beat that out of you of, like, man, we're, like, it's, life is hard. So it's, like, why, like, what can you wonder for? It's, like, Mm -hmm. we kind of shift into this survival, achieve, like, just, like, make life work a little bit more rather than, like, there's a wonder of it, you know? When I think that's, like, hard and something you have to actively work against, you know? And I think in our day and age, it's very easy to slip into that. When you were talking about the poems, it reminded me of like the Psalms uh, Mm. of like David constantly being like up and down, up and around, like full of emotion all the Mm. time. And I think, you know, that's a little bit what people go through is that kind of um, up and downness. But I think, you know, trying to go through that is uh, an important thing and you can get back to that wonder if you kind of work at it. But I think it's hard. Yeah. It's not a closed system. I think that's what you're pointing to and what I hope is coming out of this conversation is it is possible because life is. I mean, I talked to, we right now, we have, friend, we have two friends that are on hospice care nearing the end of their life. We have friends who are grieving the loss of a child. We have, we have people who are literally dealing with cancer diagnosis and it's just in our sphere. You have that. You have that. Everybody watching has it. So it's, life is hard. 
I think your point on the Psalms, what's so beautiful about that is you see in the Psalms, even when David is like in deep lament or frustration, he's dialoguing beyond, right? It doesn't circle back in on itself into the imminence of the cave. And so that even in that, even in their disruption and in the hard stuff, there's still this sense of you're standing in the storm and it's beyond you. And it provokes that sense of smallness that might be terrifying, might be frustrating, might be all those things, but what it's not is flat. Mm-hmm. And that flatness is what we're trying to challenge and say, like, there is something. It may not be perfect. It's not all roses. It's not all flowers and Valentine's Day, but it is different. It's other. And I, I love that about the Psalms, that it, you can taste it and say life is hard mm-hmm. and it can still be wonder-filled. Absolutely. When it's hard and you're hitting your head on the ceiling of the cave, it's like, man, what's the point? Where is this going? And I think that's where I think a lot of people find themselves. It's like they're not necessarily in chains sitting on the ground of the cave. It's like, no, it's like they've gotten up from that. But it's like there's they don't know where to go. Yeah. I think that little that little move from wonder filled and wonder like it's not all wonderful. It's not going to be all wonderful. It's just not. But it can be wonder filled. And what we mean by that is not a cheap sense of the word. So that's what GK, uh, GK Chesterton. Chesterton said. He was like, because we don't need dragons for people to like be fear of them, but to know that they can't be slain. Oh, yeah. Is that a book so reference? Good. Yeah. Get it. It's a quote. See that? Uh, We're all just throwing them around. Jonathan, how about you? I mean, day to day, do you feel that sense that it may not be wonderful, but have you been able to regain or recover the wonder? filled reality hmm. yeah the the ups and downs i can relate with for sure like some days it's so easy just to be grateful and thanking god and it's just like there's this joy and then some days it's like ugh, like i don't i don't want to do anything like it and um but i i i think what you were saying earlier like the, the calibration towards like a transcendent um because my struggle is when i get to those bad days it's like the cave is calling back and it's like, hey, you know, you could just go, you know, get a, get a jewel or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever, whatever. Give me some fake <laughs> dopamine. Like, <laughs> jewel. Yeah, bro. Those things are, they'll help you out for 30 seconds. They're <laughs> of the um, devil. 30 seconds. <laughs> Minecraft and mining. Yeah, of the devil. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, that's the challenge. Um, like the, the, the gravity of going back. Um, I forget what the original question was. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, <laughs> you brought. I'm glad you mentioned the cave. We mentioned it last time. It yawns wide at the back. And here, watch this. We'll do this live right here because we've not talked about this broadly. But this conversation about cave to up to in to out to wayfair, like living in this enchanted space, we've actually partnered with a composer to write a symphony piece about this, which is going to be extraordinary. Last night, yeah, mind, mind blown, yes unbelievable so Constantine keep working we're all so excited but last night I got delivered to me to my inbox the first movement which is the cave and there is this extraordinary sound of the yawning of the cave Constantine and I talked back and forth about what does that sound like when it calls back to you and when you hear it it will unsettle you Constantine you nailed it it was so good so you're right that you have those moments outside and there's something that says like back right and to stay in a posture to say no I I would rather and we had to fight through this I had to fight this I I could be a king in the cave but I would rather be poor in wonder 
rapport in a space where there is I'm in relationship to other than a king in that flattened fiction but it's tough so if you're I mean tracking in the conversation where we started we were like let's go on a journey it's going to require shifting our posture our perspective we're going to do it together and we got to leave something behind and leaving behind that flattened fiction doesn't mean leaving behind all our problems and all our worries now they're still there outside but we are different and we have we have realized that we are not alone and that's a pretty big statement first like i am not the center and there's a creator we just listened to this beautiful song the maker by uh daniel lenoir wrote it but dave matthews and tim reynolds perform it and it's just i'm not a stranger in the eyes of the maker that realization that there is a god and i am not that god what are the why do you think we resist that like we go okay i'm into wonder i'm into the something beyond transcendent but i don't know if i'd go so far as to name that god what's that has what provokes that hesitancy in us i think about kanye west <laughs> you're, like, you just you know, spe- you're speaking Jared's love language love no yeah. i think Cancel. about kanye no and not in the way that you'd think because he actually and this is a crazy sequence of events but he had come out with a song and that began like i am a god i am Mm. a god do you know that song jesus yes Mm. and then like a couple years later he fully was canceled got pulled contracts got all this Uh stuff he put himself in this high 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 spot and he really valued his own words and he really really thought he spoke such wisdom and then he fully fully got the carpet pulled under him. Mm. So it's like, I think Kanye, that's a grand scheme. Like that's a big perspective, but like in our own little lives and not our little lives, don't get me wrong. We all have big lives, <laughs> but not Kanye Shout out to short getting <laughs> like billions of dollars pulled under us. In our perspective, like if, if whenever I put myself to a pedestal, I always find the rug get pulled under myself. Like always, it's it's a math equation. And so I think that that kind of goes to uh, there is a God and it's not me. And I think those carpet pulling situations are the perfect reminder to keep us humble and be like, oh, that's true. Thank yeah. you. And I should not be pulling my strength from myself. Pride comes yeah. before fall. I'm afraid Jonathan needs to hold Jared back. Uh, you know, I think... Can- before you defend Kanye, can I say one thing? I was going to agree with it. Too. Okay, then go. I was going to say, absolutely. I think what, you know, what someone like Kanye and all of us can go through is like the decentering of ourselves from our lives, I think is a very mm. difficult thing to do. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, especially someone who's on stage with millions of people yeah. and you can sell at the United Center in seven minutes this year, you know, is he canceled? I don't think so. Anyway. Uh, but I think all that is like an important, uh, an important realization that a lot of people struggle with is I want to be the center of my own life. I want to make my own decisions. And the thought of a God interacting in that is very scary. Super scary. Yeah. That we, we have this confession that we say like happens outside of the cave and it's, it's not even particular to like a, an Orthodox Christian confession, you would say. It's, it, I mean, it's the most Orthodox Christian confession, but it, it can even come before you know what you're saying. And here's what it is. You are God and I am not. And it may be the most honest thing a creature can say is to look up and to recognize that unsettledness, that providential, like, I'm not the center. I'm not in control. 
And to take one step out of the cave is to just say, okay, there's something beyond. I know that. We all share that. Every, you know, like the universal human experience, there's something beyond, right? Okay, what is that? Next confession. Is that, is that a living being? Is it something other? Okay, well, what do we call that? Okay, you are God, whoever you are, and I'm not. Can I, can I make that step? Do you think it's possible to make that step and not actually know really what you're saying, but, but have the, the honesty and the sobriety to be like, I can say that that can be an honest confession and I don't have it all worked out yet, but I can start there. What do you think about that? Or do you have to work out all your theology before you're able to say something like that? I think it depends on how you're approaching it. I think if it's an intellectual exercise, you're going to really frustrate yourself trying to have the answer to everything and expecting God to just lay it out on a silver platter, like a big thesis. Shout out to our friend Nick, who's doing his thesis right now. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you better text me when you hear this. No. I don't, I'm not sure if he listens. <laughs> yeah. He says he does. Um, but it's like, I feel like people want those really written out explanations of every little thing and, you know, really reject a level of mystery. And I think that kind of goes with like the rejecting of wonder uh, in our lives is the fact that there's a mystery in this reality that we live into that makes us wildly uncomfortable because we want to have all the answers, even though any worldview that you have has a level of wonder and mystery to it that you can't deny that it's like science doesn't explain everything it's like philosophy doesn't explain everything it's like there's mystery everywhere you go and it's like what mystery are you comfortable with and people become very comfortable rejecting the god mystery about the christian faith even though it seems in a lot of ways to line up yeah yeah yeah. thoughts on that we say we're in the post-christian but now post-secular age for sure and that's what i've i've found with people that i talk to that don't believe in you know the god of the bible but they believe in something and whether it's hinduism or it's crystals um there's like there's like most i I find most people will say like there's there's got to be something and whether i like i've heard someone say like i think there's something but i don't think it's a a personal being um but there there is many options i think you have to have that possibility to say there has to be room for something for you to then find your way to god um and zach i'd be curious out of all the stories that there are out there, you know, um, why would you say Jesus is the story that you believe? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, two things. Let me answer that question by, by affirming what you just landed on, which is you have to make room. And I think that's what I hope this conversation is provoking for everybody who's tracking. And like, I think I'm with you that there's something beyond the cave and I'm willing to make room outside and say, okay, I'll look up. I don't know if I can name what I'm looking to or who I'm looking to, but I'm willing. If that's you, I would say, just know, like, I think you're right. Like your instinct is the universal instinct to look up beautiful. Right. And we say like, keep going. And that's how I would answer that question is, And I would answer it by this, like John chapter nine, beautiful story in the, it's the now I see like moment where Jesus actually comes to a person and John's whole gospel makes this incredible claim that the invisible 
God, this, this other that's universal that all of us can agree, like there's something and we get a sense like, and I think that that would be love. Like if we could all agree, like what would it be if something was so perfect so that it could create that beautiful child and that beautiful ocean and that providential moment. And like, what would we call that? Love. And I think a lot of us would be like, yes. And what the Christian confession is, is yes, you're right on that. That there is like a net that's surrounding reality. Like you're nested within a pre-existent, eternal, beginning and without beginning, without end, like being reality of love. Yes. Okay. Is that knowable? Is, is it possible to, to come in contact and have that be anything other than just pure mystery or pure ineffable wonder? Well, the Christian claim is that longing for us to know is actually made, we're, we're, Colossians said we're made by him and for him, that the longing isn't just to universal, it's to be particular. And what happens in John chapter 9 is it becomes personal. And there's this great St. Francis of Assisi quote that says, the one that you're looking for, the one you're searching for is the one who's searching for you. And what I love about the Christian story is if God is that loving, if, that, if God is love and God is that loving, then would God come to those who he loves? And if that were to be the case, what would that look like? And I think this is where Tolkien, Lewis, they, were, they all wrestled with this and were like, what would that love look like? Well, it would be a love that would be willing to lay its life down. And we've seen this in myths and stories and heroes and all these great echoings throughout history. And Tolkien was like, it's, it's as if that story is true and we have seen it. Well, who? In the person of Jesus. And that's for me where... It's so strange because you go, the mightiness of the sea, the wonder of eternity, like, could that actually, could you meet God? And the Christian story is God wants to meet you so much that he took on flesh so that you could know him, so that that instinct to personal union and communion could actually find its aim. And not just with a question mark, but with like, the particular and personal love of God coming directly to you. And that's what's stunning to me. And no other religion makes that kind of specific claim, which is why Lewis again was like, listen, that claim is either so brilliant and incredible that it's of infinite importance, or you should strike it from the record, like get that as far away from you as possible because it's gonna disappoint you. If that is not true, then A, that's so heartbreakingly crushing, and B, whoever claimed that, if that is not true, oh, right? Woe to them. And that's why Paul was like, I'm banking the entire thing on the resurrection, because that claim is so extraordinary that if, if, if that is God, then he would have to demonstrate that so undeniably. And he's like, that's why it hangs on the resurrection. Our whole faith is right there, right? So I don't know if that even answers your question, yeah, but I get perfect. so excited. Because <laughs> yeah. Lewis, right? Like, it's of infinite importance. Mm -hmm. And that's why we say the vision is Jesus. Like, I think that impulse, like, look up. There's something beyond. And when you go, that something beyond has actually come really close to you. Why? Because that something loves us that's yeah it's what that provoking you most beautiful story ever told yeah <laughs> it really is 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's good. Paul says we're to be the most pitied if it's not true. That's right. It's insane. Yeah. To think about. Yeah. Well, because a love like that, we talk about being leveled and lifted. And I know we got to be careful with our time. So we'll maybe circle in on this just for tonight. Because I think this is, again, we say long, slow, deep. We're not just having a conversation to, for the sake of having a conversation. We want to like walk this out together and not just look at these things, but say like, okay, if this is the story, what does that do? What's the invitation on the other side of that? And if you can know God and that sense of wonder and unsettledness can really bring you to a desire to know God. And then God actually reciprocates. And scripture talks about this. Like, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if tonight you're like, I don't know if I can say Jesus, but I know I can go to the edge of the Atlantic and say, you are God, I am not. And here's what I would challenge all of us is if that's where you're at, just go do that. Or maybe in your backyard, just go sit down in the backyard, go down to Bayshore, go wherever that place is and say, I'm ready to say you are God, I'm not. And if you're there, I want to draw near to you. Because scripture says God's going to draw near. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Yeah, I think that's hard though, because I feel like there's probably somebody, because I feel like I've been there before. I've been like, all right, God, you're God, I'm not. What's up? Let's go. And then he like, he might not show up in those moments, because it's like there's a, there's a almost like laying down of your heart a little bit of like you you can't just come and like it's not like ddr it's not like Mm -hmm. netflix where you can just like pull up the god program and hit play (laughs) like there's a there's a a lot of heart work that has to go into that of like an actual surrender to god so what would you say to that person that's like all right well like i'm open to it whatever like where is god in this moment like why isn't he just all right god you're god i'm not huh and you don't feel anything. Like, no. I've, I've been there. I've <laughs> yeah. been there where I've been frustrated with God and been like, all right, God, yeah. where are you at? What are you going to do? Yeah. And then he's not, and you're like banging your head against the cave. Yeah, that's such a good question. I think that I've been there. I've been there, like, in that space. And I think what I had to realize is when I'm making those demands, I haven't yet given up my position yet. Mm. I'm still the one demanding, you know? And so it's that, Am I willing to say, you are God, I'm not full stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to wait and open myself up yeah. to the, and just surrender right there. You said the word. It's a surrender that says, I'm not making a demand on you that you do anything for me. I'm literally taking a posture of faith. And this scripture challenges this. It says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And Jesus even challenges him. He's like, hey, you all believe because you you're like, blessed is the, the one who's willing to sit down tonight and go, I'm going to take you at your word that you exist. And how do I know it? Because that fish, like there's no possible way there's that much order. I'm surrounded by, and see, here's the thing, right? And I'll let you fire back because I know that space and that tension. But the story is like, remember who you're talking to. That's such a great song, a line from a song. But remember that you're nested within an ordered creation where the sea stops at a certain particular point. The heavens declare the glory of God. Your breath has lungs. Like even the ability to reason and wonder and and say out loud, like you, we're we're nested, we're being held right by the very hands 
that we're wondering if they're there, right? And so I think that there is a, there's a surrender to push into. That's what I would say is just practice that posture of surrender and say, I'm not going to make any demands. Maybe it's a complete posture of surrender to say, okay, yeah, I believe. I'll jump in on that. Jump in. Real quick. Um, Fire Because back. I feel like that exact same thing is really how I got to claim my own faith. It was like at the brink of me being like, I feel like I have no purpose. I specifically remember it. I was a freshman in college. I didn't feel like I had a place. I didn't feel like I had a group of people that I could feel embraced with. And I just felt completely lonely. And I remember just crying and I went to church by myself. No one was in the church. And I sat in the front pew and I looked up at the cross and I said, God, I don't want to hold this anymore. I want you to like, just take my life with, for you. Like, I don't want to hold this anymore. Cause that has, that was what I was always taught as a cradle Catholic. I was, they were like, once you give your life to God, that's when everything good's going to happen. And so I did that <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I did not enter in to rainbows and butterflies moment. I entered in probably the most formative two years of my life. I, and I think I've mentioned this to you guys where I saw real life. I had been kind of protected and guarded my whole life. So entering into just turbulations of relationships and encountering different substances around me and seeing just life in the raw and God showed me what it was to live without him. And I really so wanted to have him back in. And so when I said, God, I'm ready, he said, okay, well, we're going to go on a ride. And he taught me what it meant to love and what it meant to only take love from him. And I see that now, but I didn't see that as I was walking through. So Zach's advice of just stick it through, like keep holding on because I promise you will see the end goal one day. And I mean, you might not feel like you're in that moment right now, but I promise if you just keep going and it's like, I think of a boxer. There's a song by uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and it says, uh, "You know the song? Oh, it's an old it's song. Only old people. It's, it's it's an old song, and it said um, the the box the fighter left, but is it the fighter left and the boxer still remains? So it's like you stop trying to control your life, but that doesn't mean you stopped fighting for something good. And so I think I don't know what the thing was, but that's pretty much the message. Um, so I just say keep fighting and keep hunching forward because like I said, in, in every successful story, like I think having mentors in just, even if you don't know them, most of my mentors, I don't know. I, I, they're from different states. I follow them on Instagram. I read about them and you just see how their life persevered and just seeing that example of if they could do it, I can do it because they're just as mortal as I am. And so I mean, I know there's no real mortals, of course, but I guess that would be my advice for someone who's walking through, is Riley laughing, someone who's walking through a moment and they're really fighting for the best version of their life, but they feel like they're in a hole and they don't think that they are valuable enough to live a life like that. I say, keep going because there have been people who've been brought to a glorious standpoint who you would never think that they'd be in that light. So yeah. Yeah. that's what I'd say. I love the the idea too that in that moment, and I love the weight of what you're talking about, and for everybody who's like, I've been there, right? I've been there. And you say, okay, 
I surrender. You are God. I am not. And I want to know you. And then I think what Katya is saying is, and Lewis would agree with this, is you, you walk in the direction of your hope. I mean, we literally say that that's the wayfaring journey is walking in the direction of your hope. It's to embody that reality and say, okay. Uh, and even in that confession, what you're saying is the breath and the verbalization, the ability to know and to name, you are God, I am not. That capacity, I'm choosing to believe right now that that, that is not an accident, that my rationality my desire and yearning for you. None of that is an accident. So that the, right there is the evidence already that there is a being that I'm made in the image of because there's something in me that yearns for them. And so I'm going to walk in the direction of my hope. And that's faith is to say, I already have the evidence, even just right here, because I, the design itself says it's not an accident for me to have that longing. So fire back. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not firing back, but I think like the <laughs> the step from in the cave to out of the cave, it it feels like only a step, but it probably feels like a marathon to a lot of people yeah. of like trying to make that and just trying to think through that process of the person who's pretty satisfied with their life right now. Because I have friends who are like that. And maybe, you know, there's varying levels of truth of like how satisfied they really are. But I'm like, well, I like my job. Like I'm doing this. I'm in a relationship. Things are like going smooth. And I mean, I guess probably some of the initial things that you'd push them on is like how fragile all those different aspects of goodness that they might feel in their lives and how easily those can be taken away. But like, what would be the other guidance of that? Of like someone who's in the cave who's like, well, I want to know it's true, but like I, I don't necessarily feel this deep dark hole of a pit in my soul that like we're maybe describing uh, sometimes when we talk about the cave oh i love good questions tonight right like i'll just say yesterday was valentine's day um but on the it was also ash wednesday and that's why the the church for so long has had this practice of taking taking ashes that are, you know, in some traditions, the, the palm branches are burned. And so these are the ashes of our own confession that like you are God, right? And even that can be so frail and fragile, but the confession and the invitation for Ash Wednesday is to face the two things that we don't want to face. That this idea that our mortality and our brokenness and we put up this image uh, yesterday, Carl Spitzweg, of this clown that's in a prison cell. And there's this moment of carnival has ended, and I'm reckoning with the reality that there's a reality beyond carnival, right? And I think that that idea of mortality is the thing that we can avoid it, we can mask it, we can outrun it. And and that's where I'm going to the very end of it. Because I had the, the you know, run for pleasure and, and enjoy and spend and all the things. I experienced all that to try to prop it up, but I was still haunted by the thing. I think what Ash Wednesday does is say, hey, bring into the light the, the two things that are pretty disruptive. I'm mortal and I'm not perfect. And can I look at that? What do I do with that, right? And that that starts to provoke these things and these questions. And you go, that longing for something beyond even death. What do I do with that? Because I have that in me, right? I know I was not made to die. 
What is that? What is that longing beyond that? So I would say for everybody, you can be pretty comfortable, uh, but your intuition was really, really right. Like strip away, strip away, strip away. Like job, that can go pretty quick. I think we've seen that. Jared's like, yep, I'm watching the light on that one. <laughs> yeah, job can go quick. House can go quick. Uh, love can go quick. All those things can be pretty fleeting. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, but I still have. And then when Ash Wednesday comes and goes, yeah, your life is like the grass. What do I do with that? Oh, and then pretty soon now you're haunted in the cave. Christ also said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. And I think um, like he sort of lived that out. Like the people that he went to are the people who were broken and who needed God. Um, the people, the, the people who had everything, weren't weren't looking for him and didn't give him the time of day. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's. I think I'm just grateful we get to have conversations like this. And I think the cool thing about this space and and the journey out to your point is it's a marathon. It is, it's a way, and it's not just like as a light switch of like propositional answers. And you're like, oh well, good. Flip the switch and go. That's not the suggestion. It's the courage to say like, I'm going to follow that haunting, that thing that provokes. I'm not going to try to suppress it or hide it or mask it anymore. I'm going to risk it that this, whatever's beyond that is there's a fullness there and I'm willing to risk it. And if I want to go in that direction, it's, it's to confess that I'm not the center and there's something beyond me or someone beyond me and I want to know them and I want to go in that direction. So if that's you, that's the wafering journey. We're going in that direction, but we don't know it all. It's this, there's mystery up ahead. Riley's jumping in. Yeah, I feel, I don't know. When you said the light switch, my mind went to that one Drake song where it's like, I just flip the switch and he flips the switch. But if you think about the song, he flips the switch on and then back off. And I just thought of that. never really thought about that. But thinking of that, it's like stepping out of the cave. Like you may step out of the cave and take one look and then turn right back around (laughs) and walk right back into the cave. Like we spent like all last episode talking about the cave and a little bit more this episode and like what's outside of the cave. And you may like be stepping out of the cave right now and you may even want to just step right back in. Like just like the light switch, like flip it as easy as it is to flip it on it's just as easy to flip it off I feel like and so if you're in that season I feel like like don't flip it back off don't walk back into the cave like like we're talking about that want like that that wonder that sense of what's beyond like explore that I feel like that's that's my little bit of encouragement yeah I feel like it we so often want it to be like the matrix where we just get to pick the red pill Mm. and then all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh we're in a different reality (laughs) like boom but I think it it takes a little bit more of a journey, you know, and sometimes it happens fast, you know, but I think other times it's like, man, it's a, it's a journey of, you know, walking towards it, which, you know, you're not going to get necessarily this instant gratification. It's not like this flip the switch and joy forever. You know, like, I think there's a, a fullness of human experience that you get within the Christian faith. That's explainable. You know, I think that's one of the biggest things I would say outside of faith, it's like, it's hard to explain why we get sad and why things are hard and, you know, what's the point of it all. And, you know, that's what, you know, this journey is hopefully going to explore even more is like digging into that and, you know, trying to understand that at a broader level. And don't be surprised if you get to mile 13 and you haven't gotten, you know, maybe all your questions answered at that point. I think the most, just like we say, we never have all the answers. Like we're, We're on this journey together. We don't know all the answers. So if you're here for all the answers, you're watching the, or listening to the wrong podcast. Wrong show. 
just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> Turn the channel. Yeah. No, I was going to say, that's why I love our faith, just because we have tools that we've been given to by Jesus. He gave us the church. He gave us the Bible. He had the Holy Spirit went through people to give us the Bible, um, but specifically the church, because I think it's very important to have a community of people that help at you and encourage you. And I think we are here to help encourage people. And I hope that we would give some answers to people um, that are listening. No, um, no answer. <laughs> so I think that's like the one thing, because we're talking and it's very brooding, broading, brooding to think, okay, yes, you are God and I'm not. And it's scary to think now I'm going to go on to this journey where God's going to now carve all these things into me. And it's not painless to learn lessons. It is very difficult to walk through that. So know that Jesus gave us tools as humans to walk through and not, and know that we're not doing this by ourselves. And it's not just things we can't see or can't hear or can't smell. Like we have things like I said, where, whether it's you pray and practicing how to pray or you go and you join a Bible study and you learn scripture and you learn the lessons that Jesus gave in the New Testament of how we can live our life in a more modern world um, or whatever you like, whatever you fancy, Jesus gave it to us. Yeah. So that's a little, another little piece of encouragement if you need it. Yeah, no, it's so good. You're not alone. And if you need it, and hey, <laughs> to, that's why I love the conversation, right? We don't have all the answers, but we have some answers. Mm-hmm. And what a beautiful thing. That's the difference between wandering and wayfaring. Like, it's not just an aimless, I don't know, shotgun in the dark. It is wayfaring and it's mystery. And so there's that, that beautiful reality. I think what we'll do is maybe leave a cliffhanger for this one because the reality is outside the cave we learn to look up there's something beyond us i you are god i'm not and i've got to start maybe taking my time to let that really sink in in reality to not make a confession too quick like oh i know exactly who you are because often we stop too soon and lewis again reality is iconoclastic it'll shatter that that cheap image of god that you build really fast God will show himself to be way beyond that quick one, right? So give it's okay to actually go long so deep and say, I think I'm, I'm in. I want to know God for real. And so I'm in, right? Long, slow, deep. And it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be all wonderful. And there's a beautiful scripture that says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Mm. And I love that. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm outside of the cave but I'm in a circumstance that does not feel all sorted, right? And I don't know what to do, but I do know where to look. I do know that impulse and I'm gonna trust it, that God, you are there and you're not silent to use Schaefer. You're there and I can know you. So I'm gonna walk in the direction of my hope. I'm gonna keep wayfaring towards you. I'm gonna keep following your voice. So to we'll, we'll pull on that. Like, what does it look like to keep looking up even in those moments in pain. We'll pick the conversation up next time, but maybe some practical takeaways. I like what you did there at the end, Katia, that first, if you've maybe lost that sense of wonder, go go outside. We say go out in the wild and be small. Go find your version of Bayshore and just wonder for a bit. Let yourself wonder again at how big the story really is and how wonderful even your ability to take a deep breath is. And to experience joy, to experience pain. You said that last episode, like the very fact 
that I can have these feelings is evidence that there's something knowable and that it's meaningful to know it. So go, let's do this. Let's practice putting ourselves back in a position of wonder. Then take advantage of the two great books that Katya just mentioned. The Created World, Heaven Declares the Glory of God. Like what a gorgeous gift that God is not silent. So pay attention to nature. God is speaking through his creation. And go pick up a Bible. And if you don't have one, message us and we'll ship you one. Amazon's super efficient and we'll get it to you quick. But message us because you do, when you want that pursuit to go, hey, I want to draw near to you. Okay, look to creation and then open that, that Bible and let him draw you in. And I would say, if you don't know where to start, go to John, the Gospel of John's beautiful. The Psalms are beautiful. Just find your way there and keep walking. And then the final thing is don't do it alone. Um, this Wayfair podcast conversation can be one place that you can find that friendship. But uh, message us again, even if you're in a different state, and we'll walk through it with you to try to find uh, community for you. So uh, I think that's that's a good place to leave it. What do you think? Um, pick it up next time and talk about what does it look like to keep looking up even when it's difficult, really, really difficult. And what do we do with that? What happens to our faith uh, as we pass through that? Yeah, sounds, sounds good. good Beautiful. All right, here you go. Ever alone? Walking on. Walk on. Walk on. There you go. Yeah. Worked out just well. Boom. Boom. <laughs>